Hey, what's up, y'all? Alan Kenny, host of the Blatant Homerism podcast here. Uh, the Sooners wrapped up their season with a loss in the Orange Bowl to the Alabama Crimson Tide. Uh, not exactly an unforeseen uh, outcome, but, uh, you know, it was an eventful year. And uh, here to help me recap the game, the season, you know, thoughts kind of uh, on what's next for OU's program is uh, none other than the skinny. What's going on, man? Hey, not much. I've just been kind of, I'm actually relegated. This is sad to watching the uh, Flash versus the Ballaholic. Uh, here at the uh, Army, or no, sorry, excuse me, the Under Armour uh, All American game. I I don't know how people can watch. Like the the Army game always seems, you know, pretty good, pretty well done. Like you get some commits and stuff. This game just seems like overproduced and and stupid. But hey, that's just one guy's take. Yeah, well, we can talk maybe a little recruiting uh, later on. But, you know, first up, let's just, uh, you know, try to kind of cap off uh, Oklahoma's uh, 2018 season here. Uh, Lost uh, on Saturday night in Miami to uh, Alabama, which, uh, you know, uh, to me looked every bit the uh, number one team in the country and uh, dispatching OU 45-35. General thoughts on the game, uh, disappointment uh, in how it turned out. Uh, I mean, uh, you know, was, was it what you expected? Yes, I mean, it, it was. You know, I guess no matter how much I, you know, kind of prepare myself for exactly kind of what happened and, and that I just thought Alabama was, was clearly the better team and that would be the likely outcome barring, you know, some really fortunate circumstances for OU. Uh, you know, you, all, you still find yourself disappointed. Um and perhaps thinking, you know, what if a couple breaks had gone your way, you know, in particularly early, maybe uh, one of those two reviews uh, getting flipped uh, in OU's direction. But but it didn't. And look, the reality is uh, Alabama was it, is the better team. Um, they won <clears throat> by about the uh, margin I expected. And uh, so I think, you know, the, the acceptance phase has um, come much sooner than, say, last year. Yeah, you know, it's different when uh, you're kind of uh, in one of those classic games. Obviously, the letdown is different, but uh, I don't know. It just, to me, it just seemed like even coming into it, you know, I, I know that uh, OU was saying all the right things, obviously, and everything, but it just, I mean, Alabama is just such a machine. It's just, I mean, they they are so good and so loaded at every single position that, you know, I mean, you could argue that they really didn't play, you know, after that first quarter, a particularly great game, you know, I mean, they had a ton of penalties and, uh, you know, some kind of stuff that you're not used to really seeing out of that team. And uh, still, you know, I mean, clearly looked like the better team to me. Uh, You know, I also thought too, uh, you know, I was really skeptical about uh, Marquise Brown's ability to uh, contribute uh, heading into the game. And, you know, uh, you know, within about one series, I think you kind of knew that uh, he wasn't going to be a factor. And, and to me, right about there, that's when uh, things really started going south for you. Yeah, and with, with such a quick, you know, his game is built on speed, right, and, and quick twitch and, and all of that. I mean, he can't be the slightest bit hurt and, and be, you know, the kind of, uh, you know, have the effect that Oklahoma needs in terms of being that deep threat and, um you know, so you kind of just thought if he's the least bit nicked up, it, it's it's not going to go well. And just didn't see a scenario where in, you know, a month he was going to be able to get right. Yeah, no, uh, not at all. Not at all. Um, did you think that uh, or you had an okay game plan? I mean, I know some people were surprised that uh, the Sooners didn't try to run the ball a little bit more. 
Yeah, you know, I, I guess. I mean, you know, I, I, that's a good point. I mean, I, I think if I take questions or, you know, would question Lincoln Riley on anything, it was maybe more his sort of his decisions, and maybe you're, you're getting into this, uh, with regard to, um, you know, field goals versus, you know, down your own red zone, field goals versus, versus touchdowns uh, in a game like that. But, um, oh, you know, I don't know. I mean, I think they, they just kind of tried at the beginning and then they got down by line, kind of got in a position where they, they had to throw the ball. And, and I, you know, I think clearly um, Alabama, as good as Oregon's own offensive line is, uh, Alabama's front seven was really posing some issues for them. So, uh, you know, I can see that. And, and, you know, I also think it goes back to, this is a game where OU and people don't talk about it because, you know, it's kind of forgotten, but OU really misses a Rodney Anderson um, as compared to last year, just because, because he can do so much. He, he's a bigger, stronger guy, but also has, you know, more of a burst than Sermon. Um, so, you know, I, I get back to that. I, I guess I don't take, you know, a lot of fault with Riley for that. I, I would more question some of his other decision-making. Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, you know, this, the thing about Rodney Anderson, it's kind of funny how that, that really, you know, was kind of put on the back burner, but the fact that OU didn't, you know, miss that many beats without him, you know, uh, it was a really big story and something that, you know, I'm not sure if, uh, you know, really was, uh, a big enough story in terms of how the whole season played out. And, you know, in fact, looking at it uh, as the season kind of wore on, man, I mean, depth at running back was so taxed by, you know, late in the season by November, you know, that it really kind of impacted how you could manage games. But, you know, they kept winning. So uh, it didn't it didn't really uh, ever kind of, uh, you know, rear its head, so to speak. Yeah. Yeah. Just people forget what how good of a player he was. I mean, arguably the best back in the country, you know, certainly a, like a top five kind of running back with that was so versatile. It was kind of a similar story to a lot of what we saw out of OU this season, the sense that the defense against Alabama really struggled to get stops. Um, you know, that was kind of to be expected uh, based on what we saw out of OU this season, as well as uh, knowing how good Alabama's offense was. So, you know, that this brings up kind of an interesting question that I see that I wanted to get your take on. You know, some people will say, well, you know, OU wasted a shot at, you know, winning back-to-back national championships uh, these past two years because, you know, they had such a superb offense, but both years uh, the defense just couldn't, you know, couldn't uh, hold up its end of the deal. So I wanted to get your take on that. Yeah, I mean, it's an interesting question. And to me, I don't see how you can look at it, you know, and I hate to say it, but I don't see how you look at it any other way other than, you know, they, they blew um, they blew a huge opportunity. Um, uh, you know, as, as good a, an offensive mind and recruiter and quarterback developer and all those things as Lincoln Riley is, I mean, you're just not going to get talents like like a Baker Mayfield and a Kyler Murray um, in back-to-back seasons like that. I mean, you're, you're talking about kind of once-in-a-generation type players. And, I, you know, I never thought after a Sam Bradford um, I would ever see an OU quarterback, you, you know, that I would, would have, you know, put in his league. And, and I certainly put Baker there. Uh, it's not above. And, and I would put Kyler Murray in the same ball, in the, you know, in, in the same uh, kind of upper echelon there. So, 
I, I don't see how you can look at it when you have that kind of talent. I mean, you go back and uh, take a, a mid 2000 Texas team. Uh, if they hadn't won a championship with Vince Young, I mean, what do you look at that as anything but a disappointment? I, I mean, I don't see how you can do that. You, you just have talent, especially the position like quarterback that are that dynamic. Um, you've got to go in and, and, you know, kind of strike. Yeah, I think, though, that, you know, like comparing them to the, the those mid-2000 Texas teams that, you know, again, uh, you know, would have been seen, looked at a lot differently, like you mentioned, if they didn't win that national championship. But, you know, I mean, from a talent standpoint, OU isn't as loaded as those teams were. I mean, they just, you know, they, they had – you know, they they had much better players, I think, on the defensive side of the ball than than they performed. I, I I mean, I would concede that, but they didn't have anybody. You know, they didn't have guys that were on the level of you know Georgia or you know Alabama or Clemson in terms of what they're they're rolling out there on defense. I mean. You know, it's kind of one of these deals where you know, then you're saying, oh, well, you know, so you're excusing how they how they play on defense. It's like, well, no, but I just, I mean, I don't know. I don't feel like OU's roster was good enough. Uh, you know, like, I mean, think about it like this. Let's say that OU had a had a better defense than did. You know, I mean, let's say you know if OU's like in the ninetieth best defense this year. Let's say they had a forties, like. Would they have had the depth to go two straight weeks and and beat Alabama and then Clemson this year, you know, or even last season? Could could you would you know what would have happened then? I just I don't know, man. I I feel like that's such a that's such a kind of a glass half empty look at things. Maybe, but but I think you're kind of understating how, uh, you know, just just first of all, how important that position is and, and how hard it is to find guys um, that, you know, that, that have that kind of talent um, and, are, you know, are those kind of leaders and those kind of just transformational players, right? Um, and to have had, you know, I, well, I, you know, I don't, I don't know if I count Baker's first season, but to, but to have had at least the last two seasons with the quarterbacks and offenses on that level, um you know, I, I don't think I, I think you have to look at it as a disappointment on some level. I'm not sure they're not they weren't elite teams overall, but uh, to me it's disappointing. Uh, looking at you know, I guess the recruiting though, I, I just posed a uh, story for Crimson and Cream Machine actually, where I went back and looked, I compared kind of how OU's depth has stacked up compared to you know, like a Clemson or an Alabama. And one of the interesting things that I saw on there is the last couple seasons, you know, Alabama is signed. Uh, I, I think I, I figured, I, I tabulated it that according to rivals, Alabama and Clemson in the past two years, the, the two schools had signed a combined 32 blue chip defensive recruits, right? So that's, you know, wow. four and five star players. So, you know, average that out, that's eight in each class for, for the two programs. You know, and OU signed, you know, a decent number of blue chips. But but what I found amazing was that Clemson and Alabama, of those 32 guys that they signed, only uh, three to- players total finished in the top 15 in tackles on either team uh, in their first season. You know, so it was like, 
I think uh, this year, for example, like Patrick Sertain uh, finished, you know, as one of in the top 15 tackles for Alabama's defense. You know, I think last year it was Dylan Moses, but I mean, those are guys who are, you know, essentially second string players. You know, think about how many guys who came in as freshmen in the past two years, OU had to get on the field immediately because they were better than, you know, guys who had come before them or, you know, I mean, you know, it was just kind of a given that, that Brendan Radley Hiles was going to be out there at, uh, you know, on somewhere on the defense after spring ball, which, you know, I mean, it, that just isn't happening at, at those places like, like Bama and Clemson. Yeah. I mean, they, they clearly went through a big recruiting role, especially on the defensive side and it, and it's still hurting. I mean, there's, there's just no doubt about it. I mean, you look at, I mean, even look at them compared to Texas. I mean, I was watching the, the Texas-Georgia game, and, you know, while, while the OUDBs are, are all, even the safeties are like 5'10", 170, I mean, the Texas guys look like they should be legit, yeah. you know, high-level D1 guys, right? I mean, I mean, you can just eyeball those and, and, and see who's better. Um, yeah. You know, but, but to your point, yeah. I mean, there was... I don't know if it, if it was just a general lack of vision, if it was an inability to bring it to recruit the right people, um, or, or just land guys. You know, I, I don't know what it was. Whatever it is, you know, they were clearly hurt. I, you know, I think they're starting to change that. You know, the only thing I guess I would say that concerns me a bit is, you know, I, I think they really kind of started to turn it around. I mean, and I look at kind of some of the guys that are junior, that this like junior class now, like. Like a Neville Gallimore or Robert Barnes, Trey Brown, right back that recruiting class, or maybe Trey Brown was a year after. I think uh, I think Gallimore was ahead of those guys by okay, maybe well, a year or two. But yeah, no, go ahead. But but so there was sort of that area era though. And, you know, I think where OU really started to turn around that recruiting though. A lot of those guys are starting to become upperclassmen, and you're not really seeing results from them. And I don't yeah. know if that was just you know, the coaching staff in place, not being able to develop them, not having them in the right, I mean, Caleb Kelly, a perfect example, not maybe not being, having them in the right spot. Um, but it, but it is a bit troublesome. They haven't developed. Now, I don't know if that's coaching or if that's, they just missed on their evaluations. Uh, I don't know, but I do find that a bit concerning. Yeah. You know, I think there could be some, some culture to it too, in terms of not having, uh, you know, you know, kind of having to just, put them on the field because of the upside, you know, that they offered as opposed right. to having to earn the job. Um, you know, just, you know, it's just kind of one of those things that, you know, you, you can't really hard. It's, it's almost impossible to quantify, of course. Um, so, you know, but I mean, the, I think though, you know, the other thing is that it sounds like OU's going to be, uh, you know, of course they're going to have a new defensive coordinator coming in. I don't know. Do you have any thoughts on, uh, like, you know, any what you've seen out of the, any of the guys that you've heard about? Uh, I mean, you know, the big names out there, of course, are Alex Grinch and uh, Pete Golding from Alabama. It sounds like, you know, the more that people, the more that people uh, dig, it sounds more like Golding really isn't an option, and, and Grinch is kind of number one at this point. But I mean, any take on that? You know, not really. I mean, I guess I don't know enough about about all the. Um you know, all the, the deep D coordinators or, or potential defensive coaches out there they could bring in. You know, I guess I would say, I mean, you know, I think it's easy to look at, at Alabama and think, well, let's just post a, a Saban disciple or, or a guy that Saban's kind of tapped, right? But, 
you know, I, I think you also have to to think about, you know, bringing a guy that, much like when Bob Stoops was bringing Lee and Riley, that, that sort of has his own system and knows what he wants to do, one. And number two, uh, you know, has some experience dealing with tempo, right? Yeah. Or or, or spread or, you know, kind of the more the, the – the Big 12 offense as opposed to the style of offense you see in the SEC for the most part. Yeah, and, uh, you know, that's been a big uh, concern of mine about Golding. Um, you know, supposedly he's a recruiting dynamo, though, but, uh, and, and, you know, Riley made that a very, very, uh, made very clear that he wants somebody who can handle that side of things. But, uh, you know, the, the time, you know, you start to worry because you can only hire you know so many people who have been in the uh kind of the mike leach orbit without starting to wonder you know if if uh, the right you know you're you're necessarily dedicating yourself to the right things in terms of having a balanced team but i mean right. grinch you know the the years that he was the defensive court i mean they got steadily better uh, you know, and I think you know you could probably argue that some of you know what Washington State was on defense this year, which is a solid team, you know, had a lot to do with him too. Um, I don't know. I mean, to me, it, you know, from the more I hear, it just sounds like uh, you know he's a guy that uh, OU just likes in terms of what what he brings to the table as a coordinator. So uh, yeah, it'll be interesting to see how it plays out. Um, I imagine that's who, who it's going to eventually be, but you know, hopefully, we'll find out pretty soon. Yeah, and I, I mean, I guess it depends on. I assume Grinch would would take the job. Um, you know, that's that's it. I mean, with the coaching change there and him just being a co, right? With Sean yeah. saying so, you know. But I, I guess the other thing to me is, I I, I just want somebody that's going to come in and, and define a system. I mean, how much of this three four or four three or whatever? Like, to me, I don't even care what it is. I just want somebody that's going to come in and run a system and and, and stick to it and and put some consistency there. Um, recruit to it, stick to it. You know, I, I think that will go a long way in, um, you know, just sort of solidifying that side of the ball. Yeah. I, that was probably Mike Stoops's biggest, you know, kind of, uh, issue, you know, aside from maybe from communication, which I, I'm, that's kind of me speaking out of school, but, uh, it's just that it always seemed like he was trying to kind of um, compensate for different, you know, different deficiencies by by kind of switching the schemes around or what have you, without ever just saying, "Here's who we are and here's what we're going to do," um, you know. And and just by the end of it, there were so many different kind of pieces working at odds, you know. Yeah, I think they they saw that okay, we're playing in the Big Twelve, but they wanted this idea of we need to be multiple in case we we play, you know. Yeah. Uh, SEC style offenses, right? In championship, you know, in playoffs and, and that kind of thing, and it's just it's just a really hard thing to do. I think you have to kind of figure out who you are, right, and then uh, and go from there. Yeah, absolutely. So you know, I mean, we saw in uh, the Sugar Bowl, you know, Texas looked. Uh, I mean, they put they they put on uh, you know pretty solid performance there uh, in beating Georgia. Um, you know, OU of course is going to be. It sounds like, you know, looking at a, a change at quarterback, although I don't know if you saw what Gil Brandt said today about how it wouldn't surprise him if uh, Kyler Murray came back and played another year next yeah, year. And what do, you, do you think he's just, I, I don't know where he's getting that, but like that just seems very, um, I mean, what, sense, what, what would that, what would Kyler Murray get out of that? It's a great question. If he wants to yeah. stick with football. He's just going to go, he'll just go pro. 
Yeah, I'm with you. You know, uh, you know the funny thing about that, I guess, though, is that you know apparently, supposedly, uh, Lincoln Riley is really tight with Brandt. So, right. Uh, you know, I mean, that's that'd be the that'd be the caveat there. But you know, anyway, let's let's assume Murray's gone. Uh, you know, that puts most likely OU. You know, opening up a competition between Austin Kendall and Tanner Mordecai, and then. You know Spencer Rattler coming out of the summer, although I think it's going to be hard for him to make much headway if he's not an early enrollee. Um, you know, so how does OU stack up uh, next year relative to uh, relative to Texas? Do you, I mean, are those the two? Those have to be the two favorites for the league, right? Yeah, right, without a doubt, right. I mean, you know, I, I think Texas Texas is going to lose some guys too. Although I did see they got them. Oh, uh, uh, Colin Johnson back, uh, or mm-hmm. decide to come back. So that that'll be big for them. We'll see what Will Jordan. Um, yeah, did he, he did. He announce? Did he? He hasn't announced. Right? No, uh-uh. but, and that's a bigger one than Johnson to me. I think that that Humphrey is more of a game changer, honestly. Yeah, but but I think you know if you're an Oregon fan and you're realistic, I I I think you have to look at. Um, I think you have to go with the 2019. Is, uh, re- rebuilding is, is probably a stretch. I, I think it's going to be more of a little dip, right? I mean, I think mm-hmm. you're probably looking at, at more of a, a nine three type season is, is pretty good. I mean, it, it, I just, you know, we'll see about quarterback play. I just don't think they're going to be able to replicate what they have the past two years. Um, then when you lose all those offensive linemen, I mean, I think, I think they're going to have a lot of young guys. They're going to have more talent. More depth, they're going to be getting better, mm-hmm. um, but you're going to see a regression. And then, I, and then I think you really have to look towards, you know, I think build to build towards 2020, 2021 could be some really special um, teams if OU keeps recruiting and, and and kind of can develop the guys that they have on campus. Yeah, yeah, I'm with you. Yeah, it seems to me like you know would not shock me at all if they had a little bit of a dip next year, although. The schedule is pretty manageable when you look at it, so that that part of it to me is kind of uh, it's at least intriguing. You know, it wouldn't surprise me if uh, OU and Texas are playing again next year twice. Uh, you know, for uh, the second time being for the conference title. Um, I guess then you know let's just close up. I guess first of all, uh, any thoughts on the uh, the finals? You know, the college football playoff final between Alabama and Clemson. Yeah, you know, I've had a, this argument with a few people. I mean, I, I guess in terms of who I think wins, uh, you know, I, I think Alabama. Although, um, you know, I mean, I, I guess for me it's more just I still don't know who Clemson is. I mean, obviously I think they're very good, but I mean, um, it, it'll be interesting. Uh, I think I just think Alabama's a better team um, in terms of, of what it says about college football in general that we've, we've had these, you know two teams kind of dominate four out of the, the five years in the playoff. Uh, I'm just, I don't know what it is, but just there's, there's a, 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 the game doesn't move the needle for me. Um, even though I know it's going to be two good teams with a lot of fantastic players out there, it's just, uh, there's something about it that just feels like, is this the best we can do with, with you know, kind of the, the or, or is the system just feel rigged or, you know, that we have to kind of thank two teams over and over, but, um, uh, you know, I just give them credit for that. Right. So, uh, yes. if I have to pick, I think, I think Alabama by, you know, I, yeah, you know, kind of lame, but I'll say uh, a touchdown. So, so I guess that would be 
Um, Alabama is what favored by five and a half. Yeah, so that'd be a cover. Six, yeah. Like that. So yeah, cover. Yeah, you know, it feels to me like what we're really seeing is. You know, college football has obviously always been uh, a sport of, of superpowers. You know, I mean, the same teams generally are there near the top of the standings every, you know, every year. You know, there's not a lot of parity throughout the sport, you know, which is, I guess, what you'd really expect when you have like 130 teams, you know, competing. But it feels to me like, especially with the way teams are so laser focused on the importance of recruiting uh, and evaluations and all the information that's out there that, like, you know, the players are really consolidating in, you know, just a few, the hands of just a few programs, really. Um, Mm -hmm. And, you know, Clemson has the benefit of being an SEC type recruiter in a league where you don't have many other challengers. I mean, I thought the ACC this year was just, was really bad. Um, You know, and Alabama is, you know, as all in as you can get for a, a, you know, a an institution in terms of supporting the program and the money that's spent and where they are, you know? So, I mean, to me, it's just one of these things like these other schools, you know, like a, you know, schools like OU or, you know, you're seeing Georgia, I think now start to kind of, uh, catch up. Uh, obviously Ohio state is, is pretty much always in the mix, but you know, that's another one. Now they're going through a transition, but to me, that's, that's just it. It's kind of like, I, and I don't, you know, people will talk about, oh, well, what are we going to do to fix this or whatever? I mean, I don't know how you fix that. The market is just getting more and more efficient with all the, uh, you know, information and the more that uh, people are zeroed in on having uh, the best players. So maybe, you know, it's a matter of, you know, hiring, you know, guys like Lincoln Riley or Kirby Smart or whoever that uh, follow that same kind of blueprint and can take advantage of whatever it is that uh, is there for them. Yeah, you know, it's kind of interesting. I mean, you know, I, I don't know that it's, you know, I I don't know that this whole thing's supposed to be about like, oh, you know, what's what's best for the the college football fan, right? But like, I, I'm just trying to think of a good example. Like, take a, a Michigan State, let's say. You know, you're probably over the last you know decade a, a, a lower tier top 25 program, um, and maybe they're a bad example because they actually did make the playoffs, but like. If you're if you're a Michigan State fan, do you just sort of like relegate yourself to like we're we're never really I mean we're competing for maybe maybe a Big Ten championship once a decade and and that's kind of like as good as it gets. I think I mean I think so, but you know that was what. But the other thing to keep in mind is like that was what you know college football was kind of founded on. You know, uh, the whole idea you know that you know, considering that bowls or the postseason was essentially just this arrangement of these exhibitions and it didn't have much order or structure to it in terms of, you know, matching up teams to determine a national champion. I mean, it's not, it's not a sport that's really conducive to figuring out a, a national champion. I mean, to me, it's just kind of one of these things where, you know, you say something like, well, well, college football is a lot better when you don't look at it as, you know, being about national championships and you get all this, oh, you know, you must be into participation trophies. But, you know, I mean, it's to me, it's more like, no, it's like the sport just isn't really set up to be a national game, you know? And I mean, stuff like, you know, for, for an OU fan, stuff like playing Texas every year is a big deal. Playing OSU is a big deal now, you know? I mean, the way that uh, 
that that the Cowboys have invested in things there. You know, the opportunity to you know schedule those games to go play at you know Ohio State and at Tennessee. I mean, that's that's the stuff you know that I, I think is you know what what really really kind of propels the sport more so than you know I guess in in theory or you know at its core than you know, oh, you know, uh, is Alabama going to beat uh, Clemson for the national championship? I mean, it just, it it doesn't really, uh, you know, fit with the identity of the sport. Yeah, no, no, that's a great point. I mean, you know, and it's, it's why, um, you know, the regular season and, and, and college football is, 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 you know, the best sport going. Um, you know, but it's also why something like, uh, you know, March Madness in college basketball is so great, right? It is such a great equalizer. Um, and, and, you know, and again, you know, how often does the best team win the, win March Madness, right? So, yeah. Um, but yeah, no, it, it's a point that's kind of taken, but there's really no good answer. Yeah. But the other thing I think about too, though, is like, you know, if if really what we're what the sport is kind of hurling toward is just this uh even more kind of consolidation you know be, it being about kind of like resources you know or what like the same economics is like comparative advantage you know just who has the best who has the most money who has the best players uh, and you know it's kind of just uh, about kind of clubbing everybody with your your brute force like that you know think about though like what's been like watching Baker Mayfield and, and Kyler Murray play for like the past four years versus, you know, uh, those Alabama kind of death machines, you know, with like Jake Coker at quarterback or and stuff. I mean, it's like, yeah, right. you know, it, it is, it's, it's, it is very, uh, you know, cool to see something that so, you know, a program that is that dominant, but at the same time, I mean, man, like, you know, Baker Mayfield, uh, I mean, I can't imagine a more kind of exciting experience the past few years or, and, and Kyler Murray's almost taking it to another level, you know, like to me, like that's been the stuff that's been really fun. Yeah. And the thing is all, all the close games they've pulled out and like, uh, you know, just sit back and enjoy it. You know, it, it, there, there is an aspect of that. Yeah, for, for sure. sure. For sure. Well, let's close up, talk a little, just a little bit of hoops. Uh, you know, not a bad effort last night from uh, OU at Kansas. Yeah, you know, it's just here's the thing. Here's what OU is, and, and it's it's it, they're like 180 degrees from last year because they are a, a, a actually a cohesive team, which is nice to see. Um, but they and they have a lot of decent pieces, but you know, there, there are going to be games and there are going to be times where they're just going to struggle to score the ball because they, they really don't have a ton of talented uh, offensive guys. Um, and certainly not guys you can, you can count on for as good as, even as good as Christian James has been, um, you know, to count on to consistently get you 20 points. Um, but they play good defense and they, they have some nice pieces that are experienced and, uh, you know, it's kind of fun to watch after uh, last year's debacle and that kind of, you know, one one and before mm-hmm. uh, matchups we saw all the time. So or or four v five on defense. So, um, but yeah, I mean, I think Kruger did a nice job in terms of bringing in, uh, you know, kind of mixing what he had with with uh, 
to uh, grad transfers. And, um, uh, you know, it, I think if this is a team that you're coming at the end of the season, well, you know, gets the 20 wins, makes the tournament, finishes somewhere near the top half of the Big 12, that's a, that's a great year. And I, and I kind of think that's what this team's in for. Yeah, yeah. It's so it's so strange now because, you know, I mean, probably the whole transfer epidemic thing about college basketball is, is overblown, but it does feel like, you know, more and more players are moving around and they're having a bigger impact. Oh, yeah. I mean, it totally changes the landscape. I mean, you can read it. If you're, you know, a program like OU that doesn't recruit like, like a Kansas or a Kentucky or a Duke, right, you, you can – I mean, look at OU, what OU's done this year is a perfect example. I mean, you can totally transform your, your team and, and your outlook going forward. And the other great thing about it is that, you know, you do that for one year and it doesn't just totally screw up all your, um, yeah. your scholarship numbers, right? Yeah, exactly. You get kind of a turnkey solution at point guard or swing man if you need to, you know, by, <laughs> unfortunately, you know, for those programs, but like going, you know, find the Stony Brook or something like that, you know, and taking somebody from them, so... All right. Well, I've taken up too much of your time already, Skin Man. So uh, thanks so much for no uh, joining us. Yeah, yeah. Cool, cool. All right. Hopefully we'll have you on again soon. Maybe we'll talk uh, hoops closer to bas- to uh, March Madness. Yeah, I love it. I, I'm looking forward. I think it's going to be uh, – I think the Big 12 race, as always, will be will be fun. And uh, I, unfortunately, I don't know if anyone can dethrone Kansas. But um, yeah, they're it, good. the Big 12 basketball regular season is great. So. Yeah, no, no doubt about that. Well, thanks a lot, man. Yeah, anytime. All right, thanks to the skinny, our guest on this episode, and thanks to you all for joining us too. For the Blatant Homers and Podcast, I'm Alan Kenny. Take it easy. <laughs>